0: Check out my new book, Coping Courageously, a heart-centered guide for navigating a loved one's illness without losing yourself. It's appropriate for you as a clinician, for your patients, and for anyone you know who has a seriously ill loved one or an aging parent. Check it out and tell a friend. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Delia Caramonte. Today, we are going to talk about what to do when your pet needs palliative care. Now, we're talking about this because my chihuahua, Coco, needs palliative care. And you may have heard her coughing and hacking in some of the recent episodes. Coco has a collapsing trachea and she essentially coughs all day long. And we've been to multiple specialty vets. She has a surgeon, she has a specialty internist, she has a cardiologist, in addition, of course, to her family doctor vet. And we have some decisions to make. It's such an interesting parallel for me as a palliative care doctor to be living this palliative care experience with my beloved dog that we've had for more than a decade. I started talking to friends about it and it turns out that lots of people are having palliative care type decisions to make with their pets that they love dearly. So I just thought it was something that we could talk about because maybe you have a pet or have had a pet who has gone through something like this, or certainly you know someone or have patients who are going through such a thing. And it is an important and difficult experience in life. It also gives an opportunity to talk with other family members and children about the experience of -of end-of-life decision-making, grieving, anticipatory grieving, etc. Okay, so for Coco, here's where we are. She has this collapsing trachea, which apparently is a progressive and eventually fatal condition. And we really are at a fork in the road where we could go an aggressive direction. That might include things like fluoroscopy, bronchoscopy, and a tracheal stent. Or we could go in a more palliative direction that is essentially medication management and not all those aggressive things. So here's why it's so important to think about goals, goal setting when you're trying to make a decision like this, because the aggressive path in her case, and this is often the case when we're talking about someone who's very sick animal or otherwise, and we're thinking about an aggressive path, the aggressive path is not necessarily great. If the aggressive path were going to fix all the problems, then we wouldn't have any decisions to make. Of course, we would just do that. But in this particular case, the aggressive path, where they ultimately put a stent in her trachea, Dogs who get that, apparently, still cough all the time. They have discomfort because they now have a foreign body in their trachea, and the stent can migrate, can eat through the trachea, can migrate in all kinds of terrible ways that can actually worsen quality of life. So maybe it would work, or maybe it would be significantly worse, and her quality of life would actually go down. Or the palliative path for her includes things like bronchodilators, steroids, a proton pump inhibitor. These are all things she takes right now. an opiate, cough syrup, Neurontin, and antibiotics. So things that may help symptoms, but are not that uh, painful or uncomfortable to take. So one of our dog's vets, wants us to go in the aggressive direction, and the other one is more in favor of the palliative direction. So we have talked about it as a family and we have to decide what to do. So I made a special appointment with one of the vets to get a consult specifically about this question. Should we go the aggressive way or should we go the palliative way? And that is a thing that we can suggest for animals, of course, but even also for people to make a specific appointment with the doctor that you trust who you feel can look at both sides to ask this question. What's in favor of going the aggressive direction? What's in favor of going the more aggressive symptom management as opposed to medical management? So the palliative approach. So here are some things that we want to think about when we're trying to figure this out. Number one, what is the likelihood of meaningful success with the aggressive approach? So if you take whatever the aggressive approach is, Is it likely to cure the whole thing, to significantly improve symptoms? Or like in Coco's case, is it likely to leave her still with a chronic cough, now with a new sensation in her her trachea, and then also with a stent that could migrate? So how likely is the success of this procedure or approach? That's question number one. Question number two is, what are the costs of taking this approach? And I don't mean just in money, although money is part of it, but what are some of the other costs if you go the aggressive way? So in our case, money, it's about $5,000. Travel, they would want us to go to a specialty vet, which involves going to another state, And our dog is very, very, very anxious in the car. So that would be a reduction in her quality of life. What's the cost in terms of fear for the animal who has to be at the vet for a long time, go through testing or other interventions that they're awake for? That also is a potential reduction in quality of life. And then what symptoms or suffering are they likely to have from the intervention? So like I said, this in her case, the stent not only may not work, it may still give her a cough, but it actually may make her feel worse from the sensation of a foreign body. So when we look at all that, we're starting to get a sense that maybe the palliative approach is something that we might consider because the aggressive medical approach, as opposed to the aggressive symptom management, which is the palliative approach, the aggressive medical approach maybe has a lot of potential costs. Question number three is, if there's an aggressive workup involved, What new and actionable, that's really important, actionable information would it give us? So for example, one of the recommendations was to get fluoroscopy to look and see, confirm where exactly is the tracheal collapse and how severe is it? But when we thought about it, we thought, well, we already know she has it and we know it's pretty severe because she has symptoms all day long. If we were to do that, so she spends all day at the vet and has whatever fears associated with that. If she's going to do that, what new information do we come up with at the end? So they will almost certainly say she has severe tracheal collapse and they'll tell us what segment of the trachea is collapsing. But if we're thinking that we're going to go in the palliative approach, so the aggressive symptom management palliative approach, then that doesn't really give us new information that we can use. So is it worth the cost to the animal of having the fear and discomfort of being at the vets all day and being held down for this procedure? I have another friend who uh, is in a similar situation and has a dog who's very sick, and the veterinarian recommended an ultrasound, but it didn't seem clear that anything actionable was going to be figured out with this ultrasound. Maybe it would give some information, but the animal appeared to be so ill that it probably wouldn't change the outcome. So that's really what you're, what you're trying to figure out when the vet recommends an aggressive treatment is, is there something actionable at the end? Will we learn something that will make us choose decision A instead of decision B? Or are we basically going to be in the same situation after we do it? Number four question is, what are your primary goals for your animal? Is the primary goal for them to live as long as possible, no matter what? So no matter what their quality of life is, more days on earth is the priority, which is perfectly fine if that's your goal, but you should be clear that that's your goal. Or is your goal to focus on the quality of their life over the quantity of their life? So if you can prolong their life by days, weeks, or months, but the quality of their life will be low, is that? Consistent with your goals for your animal or not. And different people are different. For some people, yes, it's consistent. Every single day on earth, no matter what, is what they want. And for other people, they feel more like, well, I'm willing to give up some actual days on earth if I can improve the quality of the animal's life. And if prolonging their life prolongs suffering and makes their quality of life worse, then maybe that's not something that I'm interested in. So this comes up for us because Coco. Probably would live longer with the stent. Probably. Now there's a possibility she might die during the procedure, but if she didn't die during the procedure, there is a possibility that she could live longer with the stent. But she would still be most likely coughing all the time, have a new unpleasant and concerning sensation in her trachea, and have the risk of migration of the stent, which could worsen her quality of life. So while the stent would clearly prolong her life, it's not clear That it would improve her quality of life and it might actually reduce it. So after a family discussion, we decided that our focus for her is on quality of life over quantity of life, which brings us to number five, which is a very important component of dealing with palliative care in an animal. And that is communicating within the family. So you need to discuss all of the things we just talked about before. What's the likelihood of meaningful success if you take the aggressive medical approach? What are the costs? in terms of money, travel, fear, symptoms of taking that aggressive approach. Number three, with an aggressive workup, will you get actionable information at the end? And then number four, what are your primary goals for your animal? And discuss all of those as a family to help come to the decision of what you're going to do. And then ideally, you would discuss all of this sooner rather than later to give the family members, particularly if there are children, even young adult children, to give everybody a chance to prepare, to have some anticipatory grieving for uh, what is likely eventually to be the end of the animal's life. Discuss what's going on. Give everybody a chance to understand what's happening, to participate in the decision making, to ask questions so that they can have some time for anticipatory grieving. As a family, you also want to discuss what would make you decide on euthanasia. We don't have that option in people, but obviously we have that option in animals. And if that's a decision that you're planning to make, you want to know when will you make it? As in, is it when the symptoms are completely uncontrolled? As in, they have pain that you can't control with medications? Is it if the animal becomes unable to walk? Is it if the animal shows reduced interest in food or is sleeping all the time and won't wake up? If you're planning on euthanasia, what would make you decide that maybe the time is coming soon? And then you want to decide what a good death would look like for your animal? Is it at home? There are veterinarians that will come to the home and do euthanasia in the home, which may be more comfortable and less scary for the animal than taking them directly to the vet's office. Is it important for the animal to be with their people rather than taking them to the vet and having them take the animal in the back? Maybe it's important for everybody to be gathered around the animal either in the vet's office or at home. This can come up if you have a trip planned, for example, and you're concerned that the animal may not live until you get back, that you might actually make a decision that you want their death to be with you around them. And so you might make a decision to pursue euthanasia before you left for vacation. It may sound harsh, but it's not for convenience. If you're doing it to give the animal the very best death that you can, it is a loving decision sometimes to do that. Is it important that if kids are away from home at college, say, that they come home to say goodbye or that you FaceTime them so that they can say goodbye? Is it important to do some kind of memento like photos or paw prints? And then think about in advance what you'll do with the remains. Sometimes people let the veterinarian deal with that. Sometimes they have the remains come back in a box and, and keep them in the home, sometimes in an urn. Sometimes they scatter them. There's, there's all kinds of ways to address that. But you want to think about that before, long before you're in that situation. And make sure that you give yourself some space to grieve, some time for anticipatory grief, and certainly some time for grief after the animal's death just like for people it's important to have ceremony rituals and ceremony help us cope so you might plan a funeral for your animal you might plan an art piece you might make a corner in your home with photos you might make jewelry that has a picture of their paw print or their a picture of their their face that you keep with you there's no right answer but having some kind of ceremony and ritual can help us grieve so big picture I know that no one wants to think about this. And if you have a beloved pet, you certainly don't want to think about their death. But the fact is, it's a fact of life. It happens. And if you have a pet, it is likely that they will not live longer than you. So it's important to think about these things. It's important to plan. It's important to be intentional about it. And it's really important to talk about it within the family. And animals allow us to practice and model for our children how to think about and and lovingly but bravely talk about end of life. What we've decided for Coco after discussion with our vet is we've decided to pursue the Palliative approach. So the aggressive symptom management approach. And she's on tons of medicines. We're increasing her medicines. So she's more comfortable. We're starting her on a new antibiotic now, which the vet thinks might help her be more comfortable. And we are giving her more treats than she ever used to get in her life before. And we're trying to appreciate every moment that we have with her. We're also talking to our kids about it. And even though it makes everybody sad, it does give us some time for anticipatory grief for preparing ourselves. And we make a lot of jokes about how spoiled she is now and how many treats she gets. So if you have an animal, this week I challenge you just to ponder these things for yourself. If your animal is anywhere near the end of their life, you might go through the steps that I talked about today that we're going through for Coco. If your animal is not near the end of their life, then you might just think about if something were to happen, what would your goal be for your animal? Would it be more days on earth, no matter what, even if the quality was not good? Or would it be focusing on quality, even if that meant that there might be fewer days left to spend with your animal? All right. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're here. If you know anyone whose pet is coming near the end of their life, please send them this episode to give them some support. And I'll see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. Dedicated to whole person care for people with serious illness using all the tools that work. If you've always thought that there was a better way to practice medicine, you're right, and you've found your people. So help spread the word. Send this episode to a friend or colleague, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and reach out anytime and come learn with me. You can find more information and training programs at integrativepalliative.com.